Suspend your disbelief. Let yourself be led down a path into the world of the paranormal, where ghosts, shadow people, cryptids, aliens, and all things supernatural dominate. Immerse yourself in a dimension of ominous trepidation with your hosts, Dan, Danny, and Rachel. Welcome to the Phantom Faction Podcast. Welcome to this edition of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Dan. And I'm Rachel. We've uh, taken a bit of a break. Of course, it's summer and, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to do as much activity as we can. Anyway. Busy with work, etc. Busy with lives, I guess. As, bu- as busy as we can all be and uh, that is to be expected. As soon as the spirits pick up again, we'll pick up again, right? Uh, that's right. That's right. We need John to come back and just stir, <laughs> and, and just stir everything up again. You know, I, I need all these visitors in my home and these creepy crawlies and all these other things. Any updates with you, Dan? Are you uh, being bothered at all? No, I, it's actually, uh, everything's been pretty quiet, which is good. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, not much going on here, um, but... Maybe our guest today has a lot going on at her end, and we're going to welcome back uh, Linda Carino of the Georgina Paranormal Society. And if anybody ever listened to episode 44 or wants to go all the way back to episode 44, Linda joined Danny and I, you know, filled our heads with tales of spooky things from uh, her neck of the woods and hopefully she's going to tell us some more cool stories and give us some updates on what's going on with her hi linda hello you're back again <laughs> i'm back again yeah back I, again and busy a bugger for punishment or something <laughs> is that what it is we're punishing you yeah, yeah no no i'm punishing you I'm oh, okay okay linda he's frozen oh he's frozen I think what we lost happened? Linda. There oh, she is. There she is. I'm back again. My internet connection is unstable, much like myself. But that's oh. <laughs> you know what? It's the ghosts, right? They like to mess with us sometimes. Yes, right. Linda, what's going on with the Georgina Paranormal Society these days? Probably not a heck of a lot. Not a heck of a lot, no. And it being that it's a holiday season as well, a lot of uh, my team is away. So. Things are kind of quiet, much like yourselves, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, describe to us again uh, the area that you're living in there. Where is the Georgina? Well, we are in Georgina, Ontario, which is a little more than an hour north of Toronto. Um, so it sort of encompasses Keswick and Sutton and Pefferlaw and Eudora and Baldwin as well. Um, so it's kind of a large area north of Toronto. We're on beautiful Lake Simcoe, which apparently has its own lake monster. So that's kind of cool. What makes that area paranormal? Well, um, I think most areas in the world are paranormal anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, But up here, we have a lot of rich history. I mean, Rocious Point, which is close to where I live um, here in Georgina, was uh, apparently going to be the capital of Canada way back when. And then something happened and it shifted. And now Ottawa is the capital. Um, so Rocious Point was a hugely um, you know, historical area and still to this day has a lot of uh, transient strange energy Um, so it's kind of a cool place but there's a lot of history and we do have the Chippewa First Nation up here as well because Georgina Island um, is right off uh, you know close where I live um, off of the mainland and um, there is a whole lot of of energy uh, native energy uh, indigenous stuff going on around here lots of elemental so it's kind of busy. And I, I was going to say, uh, your area is a bit of a hot spot for almost everything. Uh, UFO sightings, like you said, elementals, uh, ghosts, uh, and cryptids. And I'm not so much in, in the form of Bigfoot, but you get a lot of sightings of the rake in your area. We do. And, and uh can you explain to our listeners who might not be familiar with the rake is, can you describe it and give it a little, you know, little background? 
little background. Well, um, we, a few years ago, um, were getting reports of people seeing uh, strange things that looked humanoid. And then at some point, we actually got a really good report and a great description of what these people were seeing. Um, a couple were coming home from a party. It was about one in the morning or so, and they wanted to go to the banking machine in Keswick. <laughs> on the way home. And um, it's sort of a populated area. But of course, at one in the morning, it's kind of quiet. And it's Simcoe Avenue and the Queensway. So anybody up here in Georgina will know where that is. Um, but they they kind of um, wanted to go to the bank. It was early in the morning. And they uh, were confronted with this creature that literally just bounded in front of their car. And the rake actually is described by these people so well. It's a humanoid figure. It looks like it's crawling on all fours. Um, it looks like a man. It has an oddly shaped head, huge black eyes, hairless, which is kind of strange. Um, but it's, um, it's an interesting thing because they weren't the only people to see the rake. We've had a couple of more uh, reports in Keswick as well of people seeing the rake. And I mean, talk about crazy. I mean, obviously he needed to go to the banking machine at one o'clock in the morning too. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> they, they ended up not going. They were freaked out. They didn't know who to call. And so of course um, found out about us and reported it. So Ever since then, you know, as soon as we heard about it and we talked about it at one of our meetings, people started coming forward and talking about similar experiences. And Dan, when you had attended one of our meetings, someone had shown us a picture of their car. Mm, um, that's it, right. Yeah. And it looked kind of like there were fingerprints on their car that looked a bit rakish. Well, I still have that picture on my phone. Wow. And, and uh, yeah, the, the fingerprints. So it, it was late at night uh, from, from what I can gather. And it was a lady who, you know, it was a multi-car home and she pulled in late at night and it was cool. So it was a little bit of frost on the, uh, on the glass of the, the vehicle. And she could see these really long, like elongated finger prints, handprints on the car, like something had perched on top of it. And uh, I'll post it on the Facebook page and our Instagram when the, when this podcast comes out. It's, re it's really freaky. And this poor lady was like, oh, my God, like, you know, because it, it, it looks human, but it's not. And I, I don't think it was a prank, but, you know, because who would climb up on top of someone's car like that? You know, I mean, kids, kids might, <laughs> Drunk, drunks might, but uh, for them to have that extended, uh, you know, handprints and everything too would be would be hard to replicate. Oh, yeah. uh, and I also uh, just want to say that the rakes are always pure white. Like like uh, they have the big black eyes, the 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 human humanoid uh, body type, but they're always pure white. Yes, they're and they, they're all, and they kind of stand out in the dark, so they're kind of easy to spot yeah. in a way. Yeah, their skin is not like ours. It doesn't have that kind of um, flesh hue to it. It's mm -hmm. more, it's more white. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, talk about hysterical. Apparently, she was absolutely hysterical. The wife and they just mm -hmm. found it and went home. I would too, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and the thing with that story about this thing running across the street out of the bank parking lot or wherever it was yeah. is that this couple were so frightened by it that they wanted to remain anonymous as well. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So when there's anonymity involved and there's more than one witness, I tend to give those stories a, a little bit more credibility. Yeah, I do too. I do mm -hmm. too. That's not the only person who's seen that though. Um, That's there right. is another girl who has seen the same thing again. Um, it was in the South end of Keswick closer to the lake. Um, and she was coming home again late at night and this thing darted in front of her car and um, she put the brakes on. And of course 
she stopped and it stopped and apparently looked at her, which that kind of freaked her out because she was then able to give us a really good description of what it was all about. And again, you know, when things happen, you never think, oh, I'm going to take out my phone and take a picture. No, no. That would have been great. I mean, I'm sorry, but the next person in Keswick or Sutton or Pefferlaw to see the rake, we want a picture. <laughs> we want something. Run them over with your car and <laughs> drag, drag the body back to uh, Linda's house. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Man. We'll have a taxidermy, taxidermy or mounted or whatever. <laughs> Uh-oh. Linda, Linda, what do you think the rake is? Well, it's interesting because I've had a lot of time to think about it. And I believe after speaking to um, a few Indigenous people um, who live up here, I think that it is probably what they describe as possibly a shapeshifter, um, probably um, something that um, is more elemental in nature and probably is really ticked off because we've had in the past 10 years, tons and tons and tons of building up here. And from what I can gather, it's habitat um, is being destroyed. It's being uh, taken over by houses and people that are coming up here and bothering it and um and it feels displaced and it is displaced and it doesn't quite know what to do about it um so that's one theory i have but another theory that i have too um i've been thinking about this as well um i also think that it tends to appear when there's some kind of um upset or strife um and some people were saying that they believe that as well, that it is an indigenous, possibly shapeshifter that appears when there is major world upset. And I think that's interesting, too, because when you think about it, it happened the first sighting, I'm going to say about five, six years ago. And you can imagine, I mean, in, in six years, the world has gone from, you know, uh, a different, a different world to an even more different world and a world of a lot more strife um, and a lot more upset. So it could be that it was here to warn us about something that was happening. And now, of course, um, these things have happened. So I don't know. It's I know I'm talking out of my out of my nose or something. But honestly, I think there's there's a lot of truth to all of that. All of that. I think it's well, displaced for sure. I guess if it is uh, something of an omen or uh, something that, you know, that is warning people of something that's going on, it, it could almost be uh, like the Mothman, yeah. you know, the, the sightings where the bridge had collapsed. Um, and there have been sightings of the Mothman in, in other areas. Uh, even recently in the past few years, people were seeing it in Chicago, like right in the city. And, you know, if you follow the news at all, I mean, Chicago is like the murder shooting capital of North America right now. Yeah. And uh, who knows? It may, maybe it's just drawn to the bad energy or it's assisting the bad energy or who knows? You know, you'll never know until you capture one of these things, if that's ever possible. But may, maybe uh, what about the, the possibility that the rake is uh, interdimensional? Well, that could be a possibility. And I only say that because it's completely naked. Yeah. It doesn't have any fur on it like Sasquatch. And our Canadian winters can be quite cold and miserable. And unless it hibernates in some cavern or somewhere, then who knows? Well, it could be because we have a lot of UFO sightings up here. Tons mm -hmm. and tons mm -hmm. of extraterrestrial sightings. So there is that possibility for sure. Um, but it's interesting because the second sighting that we had um, near Lake Drive, the one I was just telling you about, um, that was in the wintertime. Yeah. I mean, okay. think about that. It was naked, but obviously it's not affected by the cold. Or maybe it's just impervious to the cold. Could be. That could be. Mm, very interesting. And the UFO sightings that you have up there, a lot of them are associated with the lake, aren't they? People see them coming out of the water. Yeah, they do. They see them not only 
coming out of the water, but going into the water as well. Um, years ago, when I was with the Toronto Ghosts and Hauntings Research Society, um, I was the assistant director there for quite a few years. And everything north of Highway 7 would come to me. I mean, every sighting, every report, everything would come to me because I lived in the north, right? Um, <laughs> they call that the north? Yeah, wow. the north. North no, of Highway 7 was the north. North of Highway 7 was... Our Arctic tundra, was it? That's right. And uh, I'm going to say about 1990, 91, I had interviewed this man who um, lived up in Sutton and he had coffee with me and he told me that he believed that there was a UFO landing site at the base of Snake Island. Now, Snake Island is another island just off um, off the coast here of, of Lake Simcoe. And he claimed, and he'd lived here forever, he claimed that he um, watched tons and tons of crafts, uh, crafts, I mean, any time of the year, winter, spring, summer, fall. And they were emanating from the lake or going into the lake. And in the winter time, they would simply uh, disappear through the ice. And he huh. said it was a strange thing for him to watch, but he swore up and down that this is what was happening and that it would continue to happen because of that landing base at the base of Lake Simcoe and that there was something in the water. Um, and again, he claimed that whatever creature was in the water too um, could have been some kind of extraterrestrial creature so that's kind of interesting too a lot of a lot of high strangeness in your area well yeah the people <laughs> are kind of strange too i mean I, yeah. <laughs> the people are kind of strange. that's <laughs> right there's a lot of strange things happening up here i mean being on the water too um that causes a lot of stuff to happen i mean you know yourself anywhere where uh, people are, are at the waterline. There are interesting things that happen. It's, mm -hmm. it's just because it's water. It tends to attract all kinds of things. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, I, I often watch uh, David Pilates on YouTube, uh, The Missing 411 Project. And uh, if anybody's not familiar with him, you should check him out on YouTube. Uh, he's an ex-police officer, uh, and he started to really look into all these missing hikers and campers uh, in the American and Canadian uh, national parks. And his thing that he has, uh, one, one similarity or familiarity is that they're mostly always happen near large bodies of water. And even uh, he's looking into the Skinwalker Ranch now. And if you ever watch the show or even read about the Skinwalker Ranch, there is a huge lake a mile away. And people see UFOs going in there all the time. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the water, it's, I mean, we all know energy, you know, water is, or sorry, water creates a lot of energy. And uh, it's a good place to hide, especially if you're, <laughs> you know, in a, a UFO. But yeah, it's, 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 it's really weird uh, and interesting that all these similarities uh, come together and there's always a large body of water close by. That's really true. With all of the UFO sightings as well, um, we've seen a common denominator in that most people describe hearing things before they actually see them. So they hear uh, buzzing noises or they feel that um, their hearing is somehow impaired. Um, they can hear out of one ear, not out of another, or they get a strange kind of whirring noise um, that they can, they can hear before they actually see anything. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Is it a, is it a deep lake, Lake Simcoe? Um, it is actually, it's quite deep and it's quite big. Uh, people that come here don't realize actually how big it is. I mean, it, Lake Simcoe um, stretches all the way through to Aurelia and of course, uh, Kempenfelt Bay and Barrie. So I mean, it's quite a large body of water um, and it is quite deep. So, hmm. I mean, who knows what's underneath there? It'd, it'd, be, inter it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, 
if how many cottagers or people who own homes on the lake have actually had an experience or seen something come out as well. Absolutely. But we do have a lot of people that come to our meetings or that came to our meetings because now, of course, we're not having them and I can't wait for them to start again. Um, but we do have a lot of people that come to the meetings that are new and are starting to come out of the woodwork and share their experiences, which is great. And there are so many commonalities, uh, which I find fascinating. And I think if you're an investigator, um, that's what you want to see. You know, you want to see those commonalities. You want to kind of find out the history of, of a location. People have lived here for a very long time. You know, what have they seen? What have they experienced? And we're starting to get that, which we were starting to get that, which is really great. So hopefully we can do that again because mm-hmm. people are starting to come out of the woodwork now that they know that we're around and mm-hmm. we've since 2012. So it's about time. It's a good thing. And I need some more material for my next book. Yes. <laughs> I need well, some yeah. more, more true ghost stories and rape stories and yeah. stuff. Well, I think with the, with the whole pandemic, uh, the vibrational level has been so low for a lot of people. And uh, I think what you're going to see is as we slowly come out and we can all meet again type of thing, I think you're going to get more stories because uh, these people that have been at home, they've been lower vibrational level, like a lot more stories for you. I agree. And I think, um, you know, we haven't been out on a lot of investigations, um, but our, you know, our email has been pretty steady and our messages have been pretty steady from people. Um, we had an interesting case that, uh, that came our way of this one lady who uh, was taking her daughter to live in sort of a common situation because she was going to school and it was north of here. I won't say exactly where. I can't say any names, but it was very interesting because she felt uneasy. They found a spirit board in the kitchen cupboard. It was one of those things. And um, they were reaching out via email. They really didn't want anybody to come out and do anything because they were kind of afraid of of COVID and all of that. Um, However, I loved the fact that they were reaching out um, and I love the fact that they were paying attention to their environment. And I think that that's really what has been happening with all of this, that people are together, right? They're in their little space. They're becoming so much more aware of their environment and they're starting to question what maybe they wouldn't question before and starting to reach out to people um, that maybe they wouldn't have reached out to before. So all of this whole pandemic, this whole situation, I think has really made people more aware of their surroundings because, you know, when you're not home during the day, you know, you're not, um, you're not in a specific environment. You may be out in a, in an office building or you're wandering around, you're not aware of your surroundings at all, but you're there 24 seven practically. Um, and you become acutely aware of what's going on around you. And sometimes what's going on is a little weird and it makes you question. So I kind of like that, you know, it's kind of brought people um, out of maybe um, a comfort zone somehow. Um, And I kind of like that, but these people were kind of cool because they reached out, um, they uh, asked for advice and strange things were happening, but they asked the right questions they were very um, acutely responsible for what was going on and they took responsibility for their own environment. I like that because some people, you know, when you're scared, you don't want anything to do with your environment. You reach out and you go, okay, come and help because I don't want to be here right now. (laughs) But I think what this whole thing has done was it really made people say, okay, I can do this. You know, I'm the master of my own reality and I'm the master of, of, you know, my world. And I kind of like that. So they were not as dependent on paranormal teams and and people like us, um, which is good in a way because we all need to take control of our environment. And I think that's step one of understanding a little bit about what's going on, right? Making notes and questioning. And yeah, for some reason, I think this is a good thing. (laughs) Call me crazy. (laughs) Crazy. 
You're crazy. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know if you shared this story way back in episode 44, but I'd like you to retell it if you could. And it's the one about the elemental in the new subdivision. I love that story. Oh, and God. for anybody who you know hasn't is fairly new to the podcast and has maybe been jumping around from episode to episode, uh, I'm going to have you tell it again, if that's okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a really weird one too because um, we got this report of this young couple who bought a brand new house in a subdivision in Sutton. Um, and it was a very large home. They couldn't afford to live in Toronto, couldn't afford to buy a house, came up to Sutton. It was a great deal. Very professional couple, uh, no children, no pets. Um, so they bought this wonderful home and they were commuters. Um, and they had um, obviously great jobs in the city. So they would commute and they moved into the house, did everything right. You know, they didn't want any skeleton keys being used um, because builders have those. So they wanted to change all the locks, made sure that everything was done correctly. Um, and one day they came home and there was a small little fire um, in their living room on the floor, right in the middle of their living room on the hardwood floor. And they thought, well, that's a little strange. It was a little tiny fire made out of bits and pieces of wood that um, they knew came from the basement that I guess the builders had swept into the, the corners of the basement. Um, anyway, it was brought upstairs. The little fire was, was made. It was smoldering. Their fire alarm did not go off, which they thought was a little odd. Um, and they wondered, you know, who the heck's been in my house? Because there's no way that anybody could have been in my house. So um, they called up the builder. They were very upset. Um, they couldn't figure things out. Um, the builder, of course, everything was guaranteed. Builder came, cleaned up the mess. They had to replace part of the hardwood floor. It was a real mess. Anyway, they didn't know what the heck was going on. So um, they kind of put it out of their minds. They thought for sure it was a prank. Somebody snuck in. They did this. It was not nice. Anyway, sure enough, a little while later, a couple of weeks later, same thing happens. Um, another fire's built. And they were freaked out again. Um, called the builder. The builder said, listen, like uh, nothing's going on. So when they called me, they were really upset and said, you know, we don't know what to do. So I said, well, cameras are good, right? Put a camera up. Cameras are a really good thing. Um, now, I'd have to refer to my notes, but I also think that it happened a third time. And from what I remember, I believe it was upstairs in the bedroom that it happened a third time. And there was no way that the builder was involved. They said, listen, we're not involved. Uh, we don't know what's going on. So they bought a camera. They set it up um, in the living room. And what happened was when they came home, they saw another little fire uh, or remnants of one. And they looked at the footage and, of course, the camera was filming and the camera at one point just kind of fell over and started filming the ceiling. So, of course, it didn't capture anything, but there was no one in the home at the time. So they were really freaked out. They didn't know what was going on. And cut a long story short, um, it ended up that they were not religious of, of any kind. They didn't want their house to be blessed. They didn't want a priest. They didn't want a minister. Um, and I suggested that perhaps we contact a shaman to come in and take a look at the environment and see what was going on. I had a feeling. And I mean, when you do this for as many years as we do this, you just know, I mean, you walk through the door, you know, when something's happening, you know, kind of what's going on, you can sense the atmospheric conditions, you kind of can reach out through the ether and figure out what the heck is going on. And I knew that for some reason, a shaman was going to help. Sure enough, shaman came and said, the elementals are not happy. They don't like the fact that the trees were cut down. They don't like the fact that, um, there are people here that are taking over our land. They don't like it at all. Um, so they, um, the shaman said, listen, I can, I can do a ceremony. I can help you out. Um, however, this is not going to go away. 
And for sure, your neighbors are experiencing the same things. Um, Whether you talk to them or not, I'm sure they're experiencing the same things or similar things. Um, But this isn't going to go away. It might go away for a time. But, you know, you have to be nice to and appease the spirits of the land. And if you don't do that and you're not respectful, things are going to keep happening. So they were happy that whatever it was, was, you know, had had gone away. But at the same time, they were really trepidatious because they knew that maybe this wasn't the last time that something weird was going to happen. So um, the last time I spoke to them, I asked them if they talked to their neighbors at all. And they said that they had. Um, And some of the neighbors were saying that, you know, they feel watched at night. Um, One of them said that they felt that they needed, they felt compelled. This was a good word. They felt compelled to plant a tree in one corner of their property, which was kind of interesting that they had dreamed about it. They, they dreamed that they needed to plant this tree in this specific location. And they, they said, okay, fine. You know what? I'm going to trust my gut. I'm going to plant the tree. And I thought that was interesting, you know, because every, every story has backstories and front stories, right? So when you, you talk to the client again, there's so much more to this whole story and the people that they talk to, um, they might think they're crazy at the time, but then, you know, six weeks to six months later, their neighbors are knocking on the door going, okay, so I had a dream that I needed to plant this tree. (laughs) I thought that was kind of cool, but it just forces, you know, that the stuff that we do and the stuff that, that comes our way is a really, it's, it's so important. I mean, it's so beneficial to so many people. And of course, to the unseen as much as it is to the scene. So I, I just thought that was a really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that story. And you often wonder, I mean, people will open up a little bit and tell you some of the things that are going on in the home or on the property, but you always wonder if they're holding back a little bit and really not talking about, you know, the major thing that happened in the home because of, you know, because of, you know, People might think, well, you, these people are nuts and, and there's no way that this can happen. But, you know, if you've got that whole neighborhood together, like say at one of your meetings that you have uh, at the funeral home, yes. you, you never know. You never know. People might go, might say, you know what? We're surrounded by like-minded people and people that have had the same kind of experiences. So let's let's just throw it out there and see what happens. Right. We've been thinking about doing that, actually. We've been thinking about um, every once in a while throwing out a call to arms. So now that there's even more building going on up Mm -hmm. here in China, we are thinking about, you know, sort of reaching out through Facebook and Twitter and saying, Mm -hmm. if any new people have bought in new subdivisions, new to Georgina, and are experiencing any strange activity, we (laughs) want to hear and see where it goes. I think it might be an interesting, you know, lesson. Your inbox might be pretty full pretty quickly. You never know. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) But, you know, when we were talking um, about the dream and the tree and all of that, Rachel, you were really, you were, you were like, yeah, nodding your head and and you thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I did. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I've actually been sitting here making notes because when we started the podcast here, I was just like, I don't feel like this is a message for you. I feel like this is who you are or what you like, what, what comes to you or not necessarily comes to you, but the people like you attract. And I got, you know, like uh, feelings of being blocked, locked or trapped. You bring those people to you. Right. Um, And like having the key to help people unlock things. I wrote that down and I was like, Oh, okay. That's totally you. And um, um, you're helping people free those negativities by expressing what's going on and, and dealing like, you know, not necessarily dealing with it, but realizing that it's, it's not all necessarily negative. It's just how to deal with it, right? Stepping past that fear and into the light. So it's like, this is, this is what you are doing, not a message for you. So I was like, oh my goodness, here I'm nodding. Cause like what your the dreams in that is just like, 
wow, <laughs> now I get this because I was as I'm writing it, it was just like this doesn't feel like it's a message for you. So um, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and something I guess you got to tell people too that this was part of something is it's not necessarily their fault. Like they bought the land or they built this house there. They have to forgive themselves for what that is. It's just next step is doing the right thing. Right. Right. Keep, right. Um, so the, it's like, this is part of you discovering your purpose and seeing things very clearly and everything happens, of course, for a reason. We talk about this all the time. There's no such thing as coincidence, but those past incidents are helping you with people now too. That's so yeah. true. Oh my yeah. gosh. So true. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yes. Right now it's like, it's like your time is now you're headed in the right direction and you're doing something really wonderful for people. Oh, thank you, Rachel. Oh, you're welcome. It's really, it's really weird that you say that because lately um, I've been thinking about so many things and I've been doing this for 40 years, which is kind of incredible when you think about it. I mean, you know, when I first started, it was a notebook, um, a pen, um, a cassette tape recorder, <laughs> some Kool-Aid or something in my back pocket so I could put it on the floor to see if there were any footprints that somehow emerged. Um, and if I was lucky, you know, a pocket Instamatic camera with one of those, uh, you know, those flash cubes on the top. So <laughs> wow, I've come a long way. And I'm, I'm noticing that there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, I think I've helped along the way. And um, it's kind of like a vocation, you know, people always say, well, I want to be a doctor, or I want to be a lawyer, because that's my vocation, or, you know, I want to be a reverend, or I want to be, well, I'm a paranormal investigator, and I think that was my vocation. <laughs> if only it paid like a doctor, though, right? Right? I know. Linda, you just did a, uh, a, another investigation in Picton, Ontario, I believe. Uh, Wes from COPS, Correctional Officer Paranormal Society, uh, he's the one that facilitates that. Um, can you, was there anything going on this time around? Because I know it's quite an active location and you've invited me out before and I couldn't make it and I'm dying to get out there, but we'd like to hear if anything. Uh, well, we're going to do anything it again. Okay. I'd love to come. I love Picton. Mm. Perfect. Well, I've, then yeah. we're going to arrange it. Honestly, yeah, Rachel and Danny and Dan, we're all going to go. We're going to have a great time. But um, yeah, it was a really neat experience because we did this investigation with a couple of other groups. And it's an old, uh, quote unquote, insane asylum, isn't it? Or mental health facility? Yes, it used to be um, a base. It used to be um, a Canadian Forces base at one time. Okay. Um, and then it was um, transformed into a hospital for people with um, mental disabilities. Um, and it was kind of interesting because there are three buildings actually on the property, um, which makes it even more interesting because we had three teams uh, on that night. So each team got to do one building and then we kind of swapped. And at the end of the night, we were able to exchange stories, which I thought was fantastic, you know, stories and evidence from each of the buildings. And it was interesting because all of the buildings at first were not very active, but as the evening wore on and more of us were in the buildings, it became uh, a little more active because they suddenly realized, I guess, oh, well, they're here to do some stuff and maybe they're here to talk to us. So it was kind of an interesting experience. But um, yeah, the interesting thing about the whole uh, evening was um, not necessarily the evidence that we got because we didn't get a whole bunch of evidence all of our teams didn't really get a whole bunch but um what we did get were were little weird things that would happen so you know um for instance our equipment of course would die or <laughs> um we'd all walk in and get the same feeling in the same area of the same building um which was kind of interesting so 
when we were exchanging information, it was like, oh yeah, well, when we walked into the kitchen, you know, the, the corner of the room to the right, uh, we, we saw or thought we saw something there and we felt this uh, pervasive feeling of sadness. And then each team had said the same thing. So we were able to corroborate and, um, you know, it was the most astounding thing. But it does have a strange feeling. You do feel compromised in certain areas of the building. Um, you feel as if you're being watched. There are areas of the building where um, they have what look like, um, what are they called? Um, solitary confinement areas. Mm -hmm. So you know that uh, people were probably put in there um, and you did feel compromised in those areas. You felt like you were being watched. You felt like you were being stalked. It felt as though there was something there that didn't want you there. Um, so yeah, it was a cool experience. You all have to come and experience this place because it's actually a paintball place now. Oh, jeez. Yes, PRZ paintball. So you can imagine, I mean, I'd love to talk to some of those paintball people. I mean, have they experienced something weird in there too? And think about that whole thing where you're doing paintball. So you're in a totally different headspace and you're wandering around these abandoned buildings that used to be sort of an insane asylum location. And then at night, there are paranormal groups that come in there and stir more stuff up. So you can just imagine how it feels in that location. It's the weirdest thing, the weirdest, mm. but so much fun. And Wes was wonderful. He arranged it so beautifully. And he actually came with my team um, to the first building and wandered around with us, um, gave us a little bit of a tour, which was wonderful. Um, but yeah, we all have to go there. You'd love it. It's so great. Would you spend the night in there by yourself? Um, I would <laughs> spend the night by myself in possibly a couple of locations where I didn't feel anything. There were a couple of locations that felt kind of like nine. They felt very, very, you know, benign. But there are places in that building that there is no way in hell that I would spend the night. <laughs> right. yeah. I think if I can remember back, Wes was telling us about uh, recording like a black ooze or something uh, coming out of one of the corridors. Uh, we're gonna have to get him back on the show and because I think he has some more stories for us as well. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a it sounds like a neat place and you know, even even that area has a lot of rich history in the paranormal. So it's close to mm -hmm. Kingston, Ontario, and we've we've talked about Kingston and Danny's been there on the haunted walks and and uh, it's a beautiful. It's right along Lake Ontario too. So there's all that all that energy, right? All that all that water and and all the limestone as well from, in, in the area. So mm -hmm. well, it, it would be cool. I mean, that building has a lot of residuals, not only because it was, you know, um, a hospital, um, but also because it was a military location. So um, some people actually claim that they hear, um, you know, jeeps and, and military vehicles and hmm. they hear marching. There's a, a place that's um, right next door to one of the buildings and they call it the church. And it's built up sort of, it's like a twig room. And in the middle of this twig room looks kind of like, I don't know, it's like a coffin. It looks like a coffin. It's a strange place. Um, but we got a lot more activity in this church area than we did in some of the buildings. Um, and we were all together. This is at the end of the investigative uh, evening. We all got together as one large group. Um, and Katie Turner, who was there at the time with her group, uh, Canadian Supernatural Research Society, I believe they're called, um, she had set up some of her equipment. Um, and that was a crazy experience. We were getting voices coming through. Um, we could see shadows. Um, and that was you know close to three o'clock in the morning. And it was a really strange, strange area. And Again, you know, you could hear people, you could hear voices, you could um, almost hear marching um, in the adjacent property. It was the weirdest, weirdest experience. Very atmospheric. You got mm. it. <laughs> you arrange it. We'll go. It seems like you uh, you tapped into uh, that vibrational level, and uh, you know, so uh, we talked about on previous shows how uh, different people 
will either hear that marching others are like i don't hear anything you know but it's it's being able to tap into those certain uh vibrational levels so uh yeah, yeah. I, I can hardly wait do you know what was really interesting too is that because there were three teams and we were all women which was really kind of interesting west was the only guy so dan you should have come anyway <laughs> Um, we had Katie's team um, that was there. And we also had Crystal Pye's team and she's with Black Moon Paranormal in Aurelia. So we were all women. Um, we all have a lot of experience uh, doing paranormal investigations. Um, and there are people on every team that are clairvoyant in some way or who are very sensitive. So it was quite a... Um, an interesting thing to have experienced paranormal investigators there who were doing what they do and just kind of going with the flow. As I say, not a whole ton of, um, of evidence per se, but again, you know, you don't really need evidence on tape and you don't really need evidence on, on film um, to immerse yourself into a location and understand what's going on, especially if you're sensitive, you know, you don't really need all of that extraneous stuff because you are your own best equipment. And that's totally what I believe. Mm -hmm. Linda, you said you've been at this for 40 years, which, which means you started when you were like two years old. Oh, I, um, yeah, right, thanks. <laughs> is there one story out of all of your 40 years that one that really stands out and one that really made the hair stand up in the back of your neck and you thought man maybe I should look into another different hobby and made you think well you know maybe, maybe I should just quit <laughs> and walk away from this um yeah there were a couple of um a couple of things but one in particular was when I was invited to um to witness um a possession and that kind of threw me over the edge. Um, it was a young boy. Um, it was in, in Quebec, where I'm from. I'm from good old Montreal. And um, it was a strange circumstance because um, I'd never seen anything like that before. You have heard stories about it, but you know, you know, you've never really seen anything like that. And truly it was terrifying because this boy had superhuman strength. I mean, he was unbelievably strong. Um, his eyes were completely black. Um, he was speaking in a tone of voice that was absolutely terrifying. Um, and I was, I was there to witness that. And I thought how, first of all, how incredible that I was actually asked to be there. Um, but at the same time, um, it was terrifying. And I thought about it for a very long time, years and years and years. That night, I got no sleep. No <laughs> um, kidding. <laughs> I, well, you know what? Your logical mind um, can't quite come to grips with what you're seeing. And yet, um, when you understand it a little bit more and you do a little bit more research and you realize that, um, no, it, it's probably not the devil himself, uh, but it is some sort of entity that obviously wants to control um, this, this person. And this person is in some sort of um, state of suspended animation. I mean, they're not there. It's someone else who's taken over. Um, and they're, you know, contorting that person. Um, and they're controlling that person. That person is not there. Um, you really you know, your brain tries to make sense of, of what it's seeing. Um, but thankfully, at the end of it all, um, he was brought back um, that whatever it was that was trying to possess him and had possessed him, in my mind, um, it, it left mercifully. Mm. And he was, um, he was okay. Um, did, did, did you say how old he was? Do you know what? I, I have written it down and I, I can't remember, but he was about, I'm going to say probably about 10, 11 years old. Wow. So, and was it, was it something, was the possession, you know, like when you watch the exorcist, how it's gradual, how she starts to change. Was it something like that? Or was it just like something overnight that took him over? From what I remember, it was gradual and it did have something to do with the fact that the family was uber religious and hmm. he was a very difficult time dealing with that um, for one reason or another. Um, and 
it is interesting, you know, um, there's obviously some kind of, uh, yeah, there, there's something to that. I mean, and it did, it did strike me how very religious the family was. Um, I mean, there were crucifixes everywhere. It was um, very obvious that they were super and, and, Catholic. And was there a priest involved that, that yes. rid, rid him of this entity? Yes, there absolutely was. I that's know. A, that's that a story. That's going in your book. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Right? <laughs> that was a scary story. And you know how you, you said at the very beginning how when people have experiences, they often want to remain anonymous. You know, that's why we, we sign non-disclosure agreements and, you know, we, we make sure that people are anonymous. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting that so many people do not want to be associated with any of this. You know, they may want their story to be out so that other people know that they're not crazy, which I think is fantastic, but they don't want their name associated with it at all. Um, mm. And it's, um, you know, it's kind of crazy, but the names are protected, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder, uh, I wonder if this, I guess he's a man now, but I wonder if he remembers any of it or if anything's ever happened ever since, you know, I, I'm always interested in that follow-up, but I guess that that's not a, uh, an option for you at all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not even in that province anymore, but I'd love to know what mm -hmm. happened to this young lad because yeah, I'm sure he's, probably has kids of his own by now yeah and when he was possessed you said his, his tone changed was it a different voice that was coming out of him or was was he speaking a different language like you know you know you always see there's they're speaking ancient aramaic or latin yeah no that didn't happen no it was just a very guttural kind of a voice it didn't sound at all like something that should be coming out of a young boy it sounded mm -hmm. like almost animalistic you know it had that that tone to it mm. which was terrifying because i i kept thinking you know this is not real <laughs> this can't possibly be real but it was real and um yeah I, as i say i thought about it for a very very long time but as you get older and you do a lot of research you know your mind um makes sense of it more and more but when you're a young investigator it's terrifying not that it wouldn't be terrifying now but logically uh, when you talk about possession and you talk about um you know spirits that are malevolent or confused or they have a bone to pick um or you know they are desperate to live again and to feel again and to experience reality again um you know so much so that they would possess um a child or a human being of any kind not necessarily a child you know um that part of your brain that's more logical um, says, okay, you know, I, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't mean that it's, you know, um, acceptable, but it does mean that, you know, it logically could happen and certainly did. But, yeah. It's, it's something I'd never wish on anyone, but it would be interesting to witness. That's for sure. Yeah. It was terrifying. It so was terrifying. Rachel, if you could break up the Ouija board. And uh, call up, call up the the dark prince. We'll be over uh, in a couple of days to uh, check on you. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna get right on that one. Just take a selfie with your head twisted right around and forward it to me, and we'll know. No problem. When you do your investigations, do you like to know ahead of time as far as do you do your research ahead of time to find out some of the stories or is that something you like to go in blind, catch up with the stories later, see if they match up? Um, most of the time we like to have a little bit of the story um, because I sort of like to think of my team as you know CSI paranormal. So we go in with part of the story um, and then while we're there, we do an interview with the client and kind of, you know, um, do some digging and do some more research while we're there. And then afterwards, you know, uh, we might get some information about, let's say, the property or who owned the property previous. And then we'll go and we'll do our, our other research. But we like to know a little bit about what we're getting into. I don't really like to go in blind, although um, we have worked with 
some psychics who prefer to go in blind, but we normally will bring them with us um, on, you know, a second walkthrough or um, on the day of an investigation. And they're, they, they do go blind and they help us out in whatever way they can. But as a team, we like to know what we're getting into. I find it really helpful. Although often even the clients don't even know um, what we're getting into because they're as confused as, as we are. Um, we had this one lady who didn't know what was going on in her house, but she knew that there was uh, a malevolent entity in her home because she felt very compromised and things had been thrown, you know, marbles out of nowhere had been thrown down the corridor, which was kind of interesting. Um, her daughter was pushed. Um, there were strange voices that she picked up on a tape recorder, things like that, but she didn't really know what it was. And yet um, when we went in, I kind of knew that um, whatever it was, was obviously um, not happy. So um, I ascertained because she told us that this man had lived there before. Um, and apparently he wasn't very nice. And I kind of ascertained since she lived there with her daughter, and it was only her daughter and her that lived there. Um, it probably didn't like women. So um, I had taken out my um I guess my tape recorder at the time. Um, I don't think I was using an SB7 at the time, but I, I did have my EMF um, detector and um, we sort of placed it in a benign area of the dining room. And I said, so you don't like women, whoever you are, right? You just don't like women. And this thing went crazy. Like it <laughs> just went off the charts. So she didn't even know anything about the person who lived there prior. But when I said that, and I said, so you don't like sharing your, your space with these women, it just went crazy. And I said to her, well, you might want to do some sleuthing, maybe talk to the neighbors, maybe they know a little bit about who lived here beforehand. And it did turn out that uh, the man who lived there was not very nice. He um, had abused his wife. Um, and obviously didn't like the fact that these women were living in his house. So, you know, again, you want to go in with a little bit of information, but it's amazing what you can pick up on when you're there. Right. <laughs> we found um, in, in our investigations that uh, pretty much anywhere you go, even to pick up practice, uh, you can pick up on, on stuff. Uh, we've, we've done some stuff at a local conservation area that we heard stories of drownings and stuff and actually picked up stuff on, on our equipment. Uh, and Rachel picked up a lot while she was there as well. And so we almost come to a conclusion that, you know, and, and I see on, on uh, the internet, uh, lots of sites, you know, people are going, is there any places that are haunted in Toronto or, you know, and it's just like, you go anywhere, right? It, <laughs> You feel that way though, like that. Uh, that drives me crazy on, oh, those, on those Facebook pages. <laughs> drives me nuts. Like, I know. I've seen them more lately too, because yeah. so many people are um, are joining these Facebook groups, and they're like, "So, is there any is there any place that's haunted in Richmond Hill?" It's like you know, pick any street, baby. I'm yeah. Sure yeah. Find something. <laughs> and I, I, you know, paranormal uh, hunting isn't isn't for everybody, but uh, you know, I think if, if people were interested in it, the best thing to do is probably get a hold of a paranormal group. Uh, like your group, the, and you have these meetings, which are at a very defined uh, place. Um, you still are you still going to do them at the uh, funeral home? Yeah, we absolutely are for sure. Yeah. We thought about getting a bigger venue because you know it's getting packed now at the beginning we had like 10 12 people show up but now I mean we've had like over 100 people crammed into this little tiny room you know standing room only and people that were, were turned away at the door because they couldn't get in and that's <laughs> that's mind-blowing just completely mind-blowing but we thought about getting a, a larger venue but we really like the funeral home we like the vibe there um, and we get it for free which is wonderful because um, the funeral parlor owner really likes what we do and um, understands that you know what we do is beneficial you know it's it helps people which I think is kind of cool but a funeral home we've had some people who are uber sensitive come to our meetings and they see things and mm -hmm. 
you know, they'll sit there and they'll go, uh, yeah, I don't know, but there's <laughs> standing over there in the corner and she's kind of looking at us and it's really interesting. It's a really neat vibe. I don't think uh, when I was there, I saw anything, but uh, other funeral homes and other locations, you know, I've just been like, you know, I, I'm doing my head's on a swivel and my wife's like, what are you looking at? Cause she knows I see stuff. Right. And I'm like, Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> but, but sometimes it's, it's a, uh, you know, no pun intended. It's dead in there. <laughs> and sometimes it's just hopping, you know? Mm-hmm. So I guess it depends on how open you are or, or who knows the full moon. Be what no. residual energy is happening that day, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Linda, you're uh, you've been on Paranormal Survivor many, many times as a quote unquote expert. I think you are a bit of an expert, you know. Um, <laughs> with our good friend Michelle de Roche, who's who's been on the show three times already, so you better catch up. <laughs> oh. oh my god, she has the best house, honestly. Oh. Oh, we did one of our, our tapings for Paranormal Survivor there. Mm-hmm. Holy Toledo, what an amazing house. Have you ever been to her house? Uh, I've, I did uh, a solo podcast. This, uh, I think it was the, the second episode with her on. I did it at her, at her dining room table. Oh, my God. Yeah. And if anybody wants to watch Michelle on her show, The Outer Realm, they're, they're all on YouTube. And you can see behind her some of the things that she has in her home, like, like suits of armor and chain mail and these, and these rubbings and etchings that, you know, and these ancient uh, antiques. And it's, I mean, she's got the coolest home. Like you said, it's like a, it's like a cross between the Munsters, the Adams family and the Overlook hotel. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, oh, I, I, you know, one of these days we'll all have to get down there and do a podcast at her dining room table again, but because poor Rachel's head will probably spin spin right off but uh, but it is a cool place are you gonna are you gonna continue to do uh the uh the shows as well if they Um, ask you again well it's interesting because um katie and michelle and i we haven't heard anything from the production company um since uh this whole thing began uh so you know, we're keeping our fingers crossed that they will renew and uh, keep going because I, I really love doing that show. It's a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh, because you learn so much. I mean, you are presented with these cases that are phenomenal. I mean, you know, John's was one of them that mm-hmm. uh, that I, I commented on. And when I got the case and I read it, I thought, wow, like that that's phenomenal. So, um, you know, when you get to, to read about cases like that, it's um, as a paranormal investigator, it's like manna from heaven. It was so much fun to do. And mm-hmm. so, so great to meet all these neat people. Yeah. I've, I've been on there twice and my paranormal nightmare once and anything else coming for the Georgina paranormal society. Well, we're hoping that this October is going to be a little different from last October when everything got canceled. Um, But, you know, it was actually quite nice because um, every October we're run off our feet with all kinds of events and things like that. Um, But this October, hopefully, we're going to be uh, ramping up again. Um, We always do the new market tour of the old town hall. We do the basement uh, paranormal investigations for their haunted walk um, on Main Street in Newmarket all of October. So we're hoping that that happens again because that's always a really active place. Um, And we do some local stuff here at the Pioneer Village. And um, I do a little haunted walk uh, near the bank where the rake was spotted. So that's always a great story. (laughs) There you go. That's cool. Yeah, so we're hoping that that ramps up, and hopefully we can start doing our uh, our meetings this fall again. So cross your fingers because that would be really, really nice, really nice. Mm-hmm. And I just want to mention before I forget because I did promise him uh, this fall, uh, October fifteenth to the thirty first in Salem, Ontario, which is pretty much connected to Laura in Ontario. Uh, the Twisted Tees are having a Salem Frights annual haunt, and I will be discussing that further down the road uh, when it gets closer. 
So if anybody is looking for something to do, uh, Halloween related, paranormal related, and a lot of fun, uh, Salem Frights. And you can find them on Instagram and follow and, and see what's going on. But the, I've already told them that the Phantom Faction podcast will be there. And we, and we can be talking. It's, it's, it's literally right across the street from the cemetery as well. And uh, I mean, the name Salem. I mean, certainly not the Salem, you know, <laughs> of Massachusetts, but uh, it's still pretty cool. So, Linda, maybe we'll have to get you out there as well. I think that would be fun. It um, would be fun. I also wanted to mention that if anybody is interested in coming up this way um, in the fall or even the summer to Georgina, um, we do have a virtual tour on our website of all of the haunted locations in Georgina. So if anybody wants to grab a copy of that from the website and kind of wander around, um, you can get to experience some of those ethereal locations in and around Georgina. So that's always fun. Very cool. Another road trip for us. Rachel, you had something else for, for Linda. I do. Um, last little tidbit that I had to write down there. I was to tell you that soon there's a new journey i it's still the same but there's something in the works i think for you <laughs> good or bad we're hoping it's good it's positive <laughs> it's positive <laughs> awesome. like, it's like to bet it's like back on to what you're doing but just something else is opening up for you so just yeah. hey <laughs> mm. we like new things <laughs> ghost, hunt, ghost hunters north with linda how about that? <laughs> <laughs> Linda, thanks so much for being a guest on the show again. Um, uh, we're going to have to have you back again, obviously, one day. So you better get out there and stir up some more paranormal stories for us. And I'm sure you have a lot more. Get cracking on that book. I will. And yes, I'm pointing at you. But uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Always a lot of fun. And uh, thank you once again. Thank you so much. So great to meet you, Rachel, and to yeah. see you. Dan, always a pleasure. Danny, get a haircut, will you? <laughs> You're going for the Wolfman look. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There we go. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com.